Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. Woo, Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. It's Tuesday. I thought entirely today that it was Wednesday. It's not. It's still Tuesday. Just in case you were wondering what day it is, uh, we're giving you hard-hitting information like that, that it is Tuesday. Uh, lots to talk today about the Titans of the GM search. Uh, Monty Austinfort, who was an internal candidate who's been on the staff here uh, for a couple of years with John Robinson. He had worked with him in New England. He got hired as the GM by the Cardinals. So Monty Austinfort is gone. Also... The guy who was on the staff when the hitman was here, and then he came back. Jim Schwartz has gone to the Cleveland oh. Browns to get another shot at being a DC. I think this is fourth time that he's been a defensive coordinator in the NFL. But we've had callers and people want to jump on you know, with us. Jimbo, man, well qualified, great yeah. dude, back in the biz. And guess what? You know the Titans, whether it was him or not, he had a huge impact on the defense uh, mm-hmm. since he's been in the last couple of years. So whatever his role was, I think more so third down. You know, uh, coming up with you know game plans how to attack uh, teams on third down. So good for him, man. He's and they got way better on third down. I mean, oh yeah, it's not like that didn't improve as that much or more than anything. Yep, sharp, sharp guy. <clears throat> he was on the analytics before most people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. He's going to have a beautiful orange and brown wardrobe Ooh, he go, now. He's, he's in for a tough task there in Cleveland, though. I wish him well. <laughs> <laughs> Except when they play the Titans, do they play the Titans next year? They played that that conference, don't or that division, don't they? They played it. No, they don't play the Steelers, the Ravens. I thought when the schedule came out, didn't have it in order, but the teams. I don't know why I thought. No, that. they play them next year. Yeah, they do. Oh my, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. Yeah, exactly. Uh, See, yes. Sir. Oh man, yes. he has a little insight on yes. the, the the personnel and what how they think and everything. At least on the defense. Home side. Texans, Colts, Jags, of course, Falcons, Ravens, Panthers, crap, Bungles, Chargers, Seahawks, mm-hmm. and they have an extra home game next year because they didn't yes. this year. Uh, away games: Texans, Colts, Jags, of course, mm-hmm. Cleveland Browns, Miami Dolphins, New Orleans Saints, Pittsburgh Steelers. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm, well, well, I, well, it goes back to I wish him well, except when they play the Titans. Amen. Yeah, because I want to win. Let's get George's <laughs> phone call. He's been holding it. He wants to talk about the Titans offense. And George, we appreciate your patience. Thank you for calling Blaine and Mickey. You know, you got you guys have already covered it. Uh, I could, I'm a yada yada, long time listener, uh, season ticket holder. Been depressed, really. Sent depressed is too strong a word, but. Since the last, the playoff game last year, you know, I, this thing's been going on for years. And I guess I could talk about Tannehill not being able to take us to the promised land and what a great job he did getting us with such limited help getting us there. But I guess my big question is, look at Nick Saban, defensive-minded guy, brought Kiffin in, then he brings Sarkeesian in, then he brings Bill O'Brien in, and Alabama transitioned to where they played complimentary football they played both sides the old nick saban was was like grable and and why mm-hmm. and yeah. can grable grow and i'm a big grable fan by grable. the way he's, yeah he's, grable mike vrabel yeah vrabel yeah would have yeah yeah but he's, he's no great, relation I mean, to he's Betty, games yeah. that, but when you when you play with what we've done and get in the fourth quarter 
and watch these Monday. But my depression is simply I'm watching all these playoff games. And you know, as I'm looking at these young, great quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends, offense, defensive line, we look like a Division two team. I'm sorry. It's just a bad – but can Grable – Great be play. a head coach, bring in a top young offensive coordinator, turn him loose, and let him let him look like a modern day NFL team. Well, George wants to know what Grable can do with these right. guys. Well, I know what Grable can do, and I actually, to his point, if we could look past all of that, I think he was on point. It's been kind of my point the whole time. Oh no, he is right about. Look at who's in the playoffs at quarterback in the AFC. I mean, is he going to offenses are? Are winning these games so, and I know you got to have a form of running in defense and all of that. The Chargers had five interceptions and still lost. Now it could be some of that on the offense that they couldn't control the clock in the second half, but still, uh, yeah, I, I think it's all offensive driven, and he's going to have to let whoever is calling the plays let them loose and let them call plays and be open. And, and a good example of that is to me taking Henry out, who was your best player on third down, well, why couldn't we just spread the offense out and then then throw slants and curls and hitches and all that and then double moves with Henry out there just because he's a threat to run. I know he's not a great blocker. I know he's not a threat in the passing game as far as running routes. Yeah, he can run a screen. Okay. But he has to do more than that. So there was times I thought they could have been a little more creative easily this point in time. And what happens is when you had all the injuries, it kind of, you, you see all the flaws. So you say we should be doing more. And that's what I was getting at. This can happen every single season. Mm-hmm. So you have to have other ways to attack an opponent, vice versa on the defensive side too. Can be one dimensional. And that's kind of what they were doing there on defense until they finally realized, oh, we're going to have to start blitzing. Mm-hmm. Even though it's going to put our secondary in a bind and we don't have, you know, all our, our dudes, we're going to have to get after quarterback because if you don't affect the quarterback, you're not going to win. Uh, so, and the same thing on offense. So, I, I'm hoping that happens, but guess what? I believe probably it won't. Just like we're going to, you know, nothing against Crowd. I bet he's the GM. I bet we hire somebody in house as DLC. Because I think that's Rabel. He, I think that's he wants to control everything. One thing about good coaches, they realize you can't control everything. You kind of let one side of the ball do their thing. And that's not saying you don't go in and say, hey, I want to run the ball or, you know, hey, I want to throw, I want to run this play. That doesn't mean you don't go in there and put your input and things of that nature uh, because it's hard to call plays and get into a rhythm and a flow. You're setting up plays for the next player, the next series. Uh, I just don't, I, I just don't, I think that's the last step to me. For him to be a great head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, just, just imagine this. I'm, I'm going to use a, a successful coach. Somebody who he's well-respected of unvariable. To ask Andy Reid, do you make any calls on defense? Who's an offensive guy? Opposite of Vrabel, right? I guarantee you, Andy Reid, no. No, is making all the calls. See? So let the expert be the expert. You be the expert of what you are managing this game and the rules and implement more so on the defense than us. To me, it becomes about trust. Mm-hmm. You trust your coaching staff to do their job, then let them do their job. So that, that's, that's the last step for him to me. And I just don't know if he'll do it. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't think he will. I want to believe he will. And to me, that that's a sign of a good coach.
because the job is already tough enough. I, I've been in a position a couple times where I've had jobs where I had to hire people. And, and I always told people, I wouldn't hire you if I didn't think you were smarter than me. And I'm never going to tell you what to do. If I thought that I would have to tell you what to do, I would hire somebody else. I'm going to let you do what you do. I'm here if you need me. I'm going to, but I'm hiring you to do whatever this job is. Just go do it. Do, do the thing I'm hiring you to do. Right. Like you said, trust. Yeah. Trust. I think he does that with individual coaches, but I, I just, I don't think he does it with the, the OC and the DC. I, I just, for whatever reason. And now something you just said, I don't think, and it's just not variable. I don't think a lot of coaches live by this. And to me, this is a chink in your arm and your insecurities. They never hire somebody that's smarter than them. <laughs> See, me, me and you, we hire because, you know, we're not that smart. I'll be hiring the smartest dudes alive. Hey, this is, and I'm, guess what? When you hire the smartest dude, you let them do what they do. Yeah. they. I think they, they hire guys who are lesser, and that way they'll be emboldened to, I told you to do this, that's what we do. And I think Downing was part of that, too. That same equation. Run left. Run on first down. He's looking around like, okay, we're going to run the same play we ran last series. Except we're going to run right. <laughs> How are you going to feel if when we're sitting here, I don't know, Thursday or next Thursday or whenever, and the news finishes breaking and it's like, they hired Tim Kelly and Ryan Cowden. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be like, yeah, just like I expected. The beat goes on. Yeah. Yep. Tim Kelly's the OC. And we haven't even seen them say that they've even interviewed him, have they? No. <laughs> No. So, I mean, we're all making an assumption. Lucas, has that, has that been released anywhere? No, again, I think the only two names of anything regarding the Titans requesting permission to interview or interested in interviewing has been the two assistants in KC, in Nagy and Biennemi. Mm-hmm. Well, there was, uh, uh, oh gosh, uh, what team? the quarterback's coach, London. And Charles London, Charles that's London. right, from Atlanta. Chuck London, yeah, that he would, that there was mm-hmm. a request for him, a quarterback's coach at Car- the Falcons. Carabao, who I would interview. And not a and not a NFL coach, just to hear him speak out about what he would run on offense, and 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 it's watching him evolve into where he is today. And a lot of it has to do with you know Kirby Smart, and that's Todd Munkin, because he was a throw it around the yard guy, and now we've seen how he's kind of put that together. I would love to have a sit down with him if I was a head coach looking for a creative offensive guy, but who is still structured to run the football as though it's Georgia. And we saw how they came out throwing around the yard because that was what they thought they needed to do against this 3-3-5 in TCU. Uh, And then they came back and then hit them with the running game. So I thought it was a great play-calling type game, and I like what I saw. And I go, huh, I'd be interested in talking to him. Granted, he had the better player, so it's always easier but I would love to hear his scheme and system and in, in, in his passing game things. And you probably could get more information out of him than maybe if you interviewed an NFL coach who probably doesn't want to give you everything because you may use it against him because he may stay at the job that he's at. And you play him the next year yeah, in the right. playoffs or whatever. Absolutely. So I, yeah, I, I would probably uh, – that would be definitely on the hit list just as a check mark to say, eh, let's see, you got to have a curveball out of the box, outside of the box interview. Now, another outside-of-the-box interview on the GM side, since I'm giving you my OC guy, would be uh, a different Nagy, Jim Nagy of the Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. Because guess what? He's in the business the last five years of evaluating talent. Also, he has scouting department background, where all across the NFL before he left Seattle to be the senior bowl executive. 
So he's been on some great staffs. Pete Carroll leading the one. So outside the box, you got to have that kind of interview just so you can see. Guess what? He's doing it for a living, scouting players. Guess what? He would have a notch over everybody else because he's invited all these guys to the Senior Bowl. So he has a little more insight on, and that's what he's doing daily, just like somebody who's over college player personnel. So whether, you know, I I just feel like they're not being creative and it's more agent-driven and who's the next guy and who's going to be holding to Vrabel. All these guys have no experience as a GM. So, you know, and, and and part of me feels like the head coach should. He should be able to pick his guys. Mm-hmm. Well, how far does that go? Does he say, okay, you do the first three, and then Rabel says, I'll let my other guys do, who did all the dirty work from the, the later round guys from four down or five down, you guys, you guys pick from there. You guys did a lot more digging and research on those guys. I wanted the upper tier, you know, guys I can see, feel, touch them. I'm, I'm, I'm a lot more visible and, and understanding what they can and can't do in this league. Well, I know who can and can't do a bunch of stuff in the league. It's Coach Mack. He's going to join us next. So we can get into all this stuff with him. It's called the Mack Attack, and we will attack with Mack. Let's see. Something different for dinner. Searching restaurants near me. Right here, ma'am. How can we help? Gee, same old, same old. Wait, we're, we're right here, ma'am. Our restaurant's just a few blocks from you. Why is she not seeing us? Back to the usual, I guess. Ma'am, can you not see us? Nope, they can't see you. Because you're buried deep in the list of local restaurants you are invisible online introducing cumulus boost get a boost get found get on the map learn more at cumulusboost.com stacking benjamins with joe and his good friend og not only has great financial insight it's laid back with humor too the quiet luxury trend is out and loud budgeting is in are we tired of the pet names yeah because i'm loud and obnoxious so this fits right in with me i'm like yes finally budgeting for me (laughs) i get to walk into a restaurant go i'm cheap as hell and you're not getting a tip live from doug's budget (laughs) find out more by searching the stacking benjamins podcast wherever you listen next playing to mickey 1045 that zone it's tuesday you know what that means our buddy coach matt joining us for 75 years tennesseans have been relying on farm bureau health plans for their health care coverage why better rates better coverage and better service and doing things like bringing us the mac attack coach mac happy tuesday to you how in the world are you doing? Did you enjoy this weekend of football? There were some fantastic games. Yeah, there were some really interesting games, Mickey and Blaine, that mm-hmm. went on. I know you guys watched them just like I did. Of course, you know, when you're not in the tournament, you're, you're kind of watching them with a side eye to it. But it was very interesting, you know, watching and, and seeing how teams were kind of matching up. And, again, when you're in a one-and-done situation, which the playoffs are, it's kind of interesting to see how teams and coaches react in those situations. Uh, sure is. I wanted to ask you this. Uh, I, I know the Titan season has been over for a couple of weeks now, but obviously in the playoffs, half the teams who made the postseason, that their season has now come to an end. So once your team played its last game and they had locker clean out and you got your last words with guys, what was your first priority when every season ended as a head coach and then just a, a, as a coach in general? Well, mate, first of all, as a head coach, what you want to do is meet with your medical people and find out what the situation is with your players that have been injured or were recently injured and see 
you know, and see where they are. And then, you know, of course, the Titans are in a little different situation this year because they are, you know, they are, they're, they're, they're still in the, in the search for a general manager. But then normally when, when your general manager's in place, then you start meeting because the coaches don't have time during the season. They don't do anything with personnel during the season as far as looking ahead. You know, they're busy trying to coach the people that they have. And then clearly what the Titans had going on, having to coach a lot of new people because of the injury situation. But you'll meet with your general manager. You'll meet with your personnel people. You'll take a little bit of time off, not much, about a week. And then you will start rolling into, you know, the, the senior bowl. You will start rolling into the combine. But you will, will, then you'll start talking about your salary cap. All of those things that, that have to be done on a timeline, that's what you start in on. You mentioned the injured guys. Do you immediately – I'm talking about guys who are still under contract with your team and they're going to be in training camp next year. How do you go about making a plan for those guys? What is their off-season like? Well, I mean, you got to it, – it's each individual. It, 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 you find out what the injury is, what the prognosis of it is, where they are in their rehab, if they've been on IR for an extended period of time, which a lot of the Titans players were, you know, significant players at the end of the year. And so it's, it's on an individual basis. And, and, and you find out that, you know, by, you know, by talking to the, the medical people first, then your training staff, then your strength and conditioning staff, and the player. I mean, all of that, it, it all depends on the player because each player's individual is the way that they, they react to rehab. Everybody's body is different. But you have to have a plan for everybody. And so it, it, it's on an individual case-by-case basis. And, and clearly the Titans have some cases they have to look at. What does a guy do? Let's say a guy who's going to be a free agent, doesn't know if he's coming back or not. The league year isn't over, so he's technically still part of your roster. The season ends. A guy is working through an injury. He's a, going to be a free agent, but he's not one yet. Do you... I mean, is he in your building every day still working on things until something gets resolved or not, or does he kind of pack his bags and head out after the season? No, they can still be in there. If they got injured during your season, they can still they they, they can still be in there. And of course, clearly they've got to you know they, yeah, look everybody that has been injured in the National Football League they they have a a rehab plan. Mm-hmm. They have a rehab plan that they've been following. They have a rehab plan that uh, you know they have been very in tune with with themselves and. With their agents and the people that are that are responsible for them, and so all, there's nobody that goes cold into a a, a postseason uh, rehab that hasn't had some groundwork laid already. Coach Mack laying the groundwork with us here on Blaine and Mickey, brought to you by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Mm. Well, Coach, with your vast array of knowledge, being a head coach in DC in this league, linebacker coach for all those years, when you became the head coach. What were you looking for in traits in your offensive coordinator? Regardless well, of you your know, scheme and always, system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always hired. I mean, it, 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 first of all, you look for, you look for somebody uh, that has an overall general knowledge of the game. You look for somebody that's very proficient in that part of it. You look for somebody that is good with people, that's good with conveying that to a staff. Mm-hmm. And conveying it to a team, and then you look at somebody that uh, even if it's a first-time coordinator that you think, with their background, will be able to handle the play calling, you know, during the season, because that's a that's an entirely different kettle of fish too. When you get that, so you you look for the overall efficiency. But the thing that you have to, you know, and and again, it's hard to discern sometimes. Mm-hmm. Just like you know, the p- people have to hire head coaches for the first time. It's hard to know until you actually see them doing it. But you, you try to be able to have enough background and enough contacts in the league 
through yourself and through other people in the league that, you know, there's, there's always people that are tears of, of rising, whatever you want to call them. I was one of those rising young defensive gurus at a time in my career. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, you know, people will understand, you know, and sometimes you may be a really good rising young guru. Circumstances may have dictated that you weren't, you weren't super successful, but there were some parts of the success that makes you attractive to people. So you look at all of those aspects of it, and then you have to be very, very realistic, you know, about who you can get because a lot of times you're restricted from who you can get because some people that may be attractive to you are under contract, you know, at, at, at other places. Uh, and so there's a lot that goes into it, but you, you look for uh, the thing that you have to understand and that I learned very quickly in my career I mean, you know, when I was first hired, I mean, I was an unknown when Mike Dick hired me. But, you know, one of the things that he told me, he said, I understand from checking your background that you're good with people. You know, and, and, and he said, I mean, that, that, that players trust you and, and that, uh, you know, that, that, that you've, got, you've got good work habits. All of those things are important because when you get into a pressure pack situation that is the season in the National Football League, you've got to be able to find somebody that's pretty grounded and also is able to withstand, you know, some some pressure to begin with because there's going to be pressure no matter what. Mm. Now, when you became the head coach, you got to see, and you can even talk about your D.C. experience, how much does, considering who's the head coach, whether they have a D.C. or not a background or an O.C. background, do they, I guess, get into the play calling as you as a play caller? If you had been making play calls, let's say, throughout the entire season or most of the season, how much does that interaction, do they call plays or tell you what to call or what style to go? Let's say blitz here or, you know, uh, run zone here. How, do, how often does that happen on the headset? Well, I can just tell you what I did. You know, mm-hmm. I, I right. became a head coach after being a defensive coordinator, and I hired Larry Marmee, a very accomplished uh, secondary coach, uh, you know, as my defensive coordinator. And he and I sat down and talked about it. I said, "Look, you know, I'm going to be involved in, in game plan meetings, and and but uh, during during ball games, you know, as we put this thing together, you know, I want you to call the game, but know at any time that I've got the headset and I've got the button, you know. And so, you know, if I click in, if I click in and and say play coverage here or if I click in and say pressure here or if I if I you know click in and 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 say look I want to I want to get out of this zero blitz stuff for a while then uh, that's the way we'll work it and he mm-hmm. said coach that is is exactly fine and so what I tried to do and I did most of the time is give my both of my coordinators autonomy but you know even though I was a defensive coach the the offensive side of it because when you're when you're a head coach you're looking at the at the the, the totality of the game and you're managing right. the game right. so there was time when I would click into the offensive guy and say look you've got two downs here to get this or, or I would say bleed a little more clock here Things like that, not getting in to say, look, I want you to one run run trip speed left, why banana post? Yeah, I you know, didn't do that. But I did <laughs> I, I did tell them managing a game how I wanted the game managed as the game went on. No doubt about it. We're on with Coach Mac giving us the Mac attack from Titans Radio. Well, naturally someone you know, uh Jim Swartz as well as myself. Uh, yeah, got the uh, head coaching job or uh, defensive coordinator job there with the Browns. I guess kind of take us through what his role. I know he was somewhat, you know, third down kind of specialist uh, game planning uh, each and every week. But uh, what he brings to the table, who he is, and, and uh, what his role was with the Titans. 
Yeah, I, I've already you know contacted Schwartz. I'm very happy for him. I mean, look, mm-hmm. he's, he's, a, he's a very good defensive coach, and yeah. and and this 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 the time that he was here with the Titans was really good for him because he you know to his own admittance needed a break after the Philadelphia thing mm-hmm. for you know for several reasons. But you know, and I mean, he's 56 years old, so he's still. He, he's still very viable enough. And he's, you know, you were with Schwartzy. I was yeah. with Schwartzy. Great dude. Very, very smart. You know, mm-hmm. when, when Jeff Fisher hired me, he said, look, yeah, I've got a young coordinator here. So he said, I can't offer you a coordinator's job. I can offer you the linebacker's assistant head coaching job. It's the same thing I told Gunther when he came in here as a, as a former head coach. And uh, he said, you will really like working with Jim Schwartz. And he was right. And, and I, mm-hmm. you know, Schwartz has become a very good friend. And, and he is, he is, I, I think that was a nice, nice, and I think it comes along at a nice time in his in his career too, because you know after after Detroit, I mean, you know his his all of his kids came up through school here. He always maintained a home here, you know, and he and Kathy developed some really strong roots here. So this time that he came back with the Titans, I think was beneficial for both parties. And uh, you know, as I told him, I'm you know very very happy for you, very well deserved. Go get it. Mm. Well, Coach, I have to ask you, I don't know when the rules committee is so they can kind of get a better gauge as far as referees on this sack and the quarterback, you know, slinging them around type deal. And I'm referring to the Giants-Vikings game. Sure. And I did not understand that call at all. And I get the premise, but they're they're reading it to the letter of the law. And we all know once in a game, we know intentions. And that guy actually almost set him down. So I, I don't even understand the call. Explain to me the actual rule. For that play, and then if it will be addressed, if you think in the off season and clarifying well, the rule. Did, guess who else didn't understand it, Blaine? <laughs> Any football person you know. Okay. <laughs> okay. And I get what they're talking about when you sing him around and throw him on his head. No, no, that did I, not I, happen I, I, in this case. No, I cannot. Uh, you know, I, I can't justify it. And you know, clearly in these playoffs, we've seen some very questionable. You know, officiating calls, and you know that—that's an ongoing discussion all the time. You know, when I was at owners' meetings and I was involved for years with Jeff Fisher when he was at the, you know, when he was the co-chair of the competition committee, that is something that goes on all year. I mean, it, it really does. And you know, they have they have uh, teleconference meetings, and then they have meetings where they all get together. They always get together a week before the combine. You know, the whole committee. I mean, so it's an ongoing issue. And and especially, you know, I, I think this year, you know, now that I'm a broadcaster, I, I'm uh, I'm allowed to, you know, express sometimes what I feel about it and what I think, you know, the fans are feeling about it. And there's some real frustration. There's some real frustration with the consistency of calls. And I will I will continue to lean on that narrative. The consistency of calls is an issue. There's always going to be calls that will be against you and calls that will be for you. But what you really want as a coach and so that you can transfer it to your players is the consistency of what they are going to call. And when it's inconsistent, that's when everybody gets a little bit uh, off center. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, we're on with Coach Mack giving us the Mack attack. Titans Radio. Coach, as a head coach, what was your ideal situation working with a GM? The the idea, the ideal perfect situation, or as close as you can get it, there's nothing perfect, with a working situation, coach and GM? Well, I mean, there's both, they're two distinct different jobs. I mean, they're, they're, they're distinctly different jobs, especially in the area of the, you know, of the salary cap you know, and free agency, but it has to, it has to, you have to be able to work hand in hand because, you know, the lifeblood of what you do is your personnel. You know, that, that the lifeblood of what any any team does is their players. 
and you can just watch it throughout this, you know, throughout the playoffs. Those that have the healthiest team and the and you know and and a, and a quarterback that's that's ginning, they're normally the ones that are in there. So the healthiest team, a quarterback that's that, that's ginning at the time. I mean, but you have to be able to work. But there's also a distinct line of demarcation to it too. And all clubs are different, you know, as far as to how it handles. But you have to be able to work together because basically, I mean, you're working towards the same goal. I mean, it has to be exactly the same goal. You know, you're you're working towards now. You know. Some GMs have more power than others. Some head coaches have more power than others because of the setup and sometimes just because of the experience that one or the other has, you know, at the Mm -hmm. job. But at the end of the day, any club that I was with, you know, there was always, there was always, you know, cooperation between the two because, I mean, it just, it it has to, it has to be like that. And uh, most of the time, you know, I was fortunate enough to be in situations as to where as a head coach or as an assistant head coach or as a coordinator, I was listened to. But, uh, you know, the final decision on a lot of things, I mean, there has to be a hierarchy to the way that it works. It just has to work like that. I know that uh, some of these GM candidates, Quentin Harris was the guy who played for you in Arizona. Uh, There was a couple of NFL reporters today have reported their finalists uh, for the Titans Harris, not one of them, but Rand Carthon is. And I know that's a young man that you worked with with the Rams uh, when you and Jeff were there and early in his career when he was working his way up the NFL ladder talking about Rand Carthon. Yeah, a very impressive guy. I mean, he came from Atlanta you know, with Les Snead when Les, when Les got the, the GM job at the Rams, at the St. Louis Rams at the time. Very impressed with Rand. You know, of course, you know, knew his dad, Mo, knew his dad Mo Carthon. Yeah, he's an A State well. guy, coach. That's my guy. Yeah, yeah, really good player, really good player in in the league. And Rand, Rand was uh, look. We had we had three young guys that were on that scouting staff that I really thought a lot of. Rand Carthon was one of them. Uh, and then you know we, we uh, the guys that are in charge now is the GM and assistant GM at the Detroit Lions. You know Brad Holmes. And then Ray Agnew. I mean, I thought those were three excellent, excellent people in the personnel department that Fish and I leaned on quite a bit, you know, when we were there. And, and it's been proven. They've all gone on to very, very you know, successful escalations of their career. So, I mean, yeah, I know Rand very well. Excellent, excellent football person and an excellent human being. So it doesn't surprise me that he's in for some of these jobs. Coach Mack, an excellent football person and human being. And he's joining us right now here on Boy to Mickey. Well, Coach, I know it's still early. Have you started any scouting of like the top, at least the top offensive tackles, top three? Yeah, yeah I'm looking. Oh, I'm yeah, give me give me your list of your top well, three. I'm not gonna put you on the slide, right. but just tell me what you what you. Well, you're not going right to because I'm not I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I, you know, it, 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 it's way too early for that. You know, but there, I, I will say this: there are offensive tackles in this draft. You know, and this, in is, the a, first this round. is a big draft. This is this is probably one of the biggest off seasons for the Titans since basically 2016. I would think, you know, when I was still at I was still at the Rams and we traded the the, the our first pick, we traded our fourth pick, and I think a sixth round pick, uh, you know, back here. Okay, you know, uh, when when we, they made the flip, we took Jared Goff. You know, the the, the Titans the Titans ended up. Uh, you know, take that was Jack Conklin, but then out of that draft with those with those draft picks, that you, you got Conklin, you got Byard, and and you got uh, you know Derrick Henry. 
And so you know, I, I think this is a this is a big this is a big big uh, this is a big off season. The draft will be part of that. You ask me about offensive tackles; they're absolutely offensive tackles. I mean, I've studied three of them: uh, the Skronsky there at, at Northwestern, you know, the, the, uh, Ohio State. Georgia has a has a, has an excellent tackle. There's tackles in this draft, and 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 here's as I say, the reason I say that this is probably the most significant offseason since 2016 when the Titans started to rebuild and then you know worked into you know five consecutive winning seasons is the is the fact that you know you've got a pick now just right outside the top ten. You've got the 11th pick. You haven't picked you know much higher than at least the high 20s. You know, for quite a while now. So the pool of players that you will have available to you now moves up about ten or eleven or twelve players into each round. So this is going to be a big off season. Mm. Well, lastly, did the Jags lose the game, or no? Did the Jags win the game, and did the Bulls just lose the game? How did you view that game, the playoff wild card game? Well, first of all, it was twenty-seven to zero for a reason because <laughs> right. because because of this. You know, because of the four turnovers in, in plus territory in the first half. When you look at the totality of that game, once, once the, the Chargers' offense had to start moving the field, they couldn't move it at all, all right? And then I think we've all got to admit that Trevor Lawrence is a franchise quarterback, mm. and we, we've seen that, and we, we talked about it when we were getting ready to play that team twice this year. You know, if you if you if you study, I mean, and if you know rosters, they were the healthiest roster in the in the league, and they got a franchise quarterback that's coming into his own. You know, and 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 they put four offensive weapons around him and and strengthened the the group around him defensively. They were pretty well set because let's go back to their last five drafts, drafting in the top five for five years in every round. Correct. And so they've had a pretty good they've had pretty good pools to pick from, and now they got a little bit of NFL coaching in there. And so I think uh, to me, now the Chargers helped themselves none. All right, zero. They helped themselves zero. I mean, they had some self inflicted wounds. One of them by their best player, you know, Bosa. I mean, I mean, you you can't lose your composure in those types of things. But as far as just if you wanted to match teams, we played both of those teams you know, pretty close to, to one another with a depleted roster and had both of them toward, uh, to the, the last play of the game. Yeah. Both of them to the last play of the game. But if you want to compare rosters, in my humble opinion, the, the Jaguars had a superior roster to what the Chargers did. Mm-hmm. Coach, fantastic stuff. Always great catching up with you. Uh, really looking forward to get you and, you know, your big board and start talking draft prospects and all that stuff as the uh, offseason continues. Thanks for the time today. Appreciate it, Coach. We will absolutely do that. You know, I love talking in-season and off-season ball with you two. See ya. We love it, Coach Mack, every Tuesday, same time. All right, when we come back, there's a little more information about the Titans GM search, including a timeline that's out there now. We'll give you that next. What? Playing to Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Boy, it it is a big birthday for somebody who has been in some big stuff. You... Got anything from this guy, Lucas, in the in the box over there? The Emperor does not share your optimistic appraisal of the situation. But he asked the impossible. I... The one and only James Earl Jones. He's 92 today. What? You ever heard his voice over some Justin Timberlake? Nah, yeah, that would have been fantastic yeah. to make a mashup Well, of now that. you have. There you go. Uh, James Earl Jones, 92 years young. Wow. Mufasa, 
And, uh, of course, Darth Vader. Ukasa. Go back and read, if you're a Star Wars nut or even if you don't care much, go back and read about that. When they were making that movie, nobody really realized what they were doing. They had no idea it would be as big as it was. Mm. And there was a big British bodybuilder who wore the Darth Vader suit. He talked like this. And so he said all the, the Emperor's not going to like this. And so he said everything. When they filmed, sounds like uh, sounds like uh, Monty Python. <laughs> David Prowse was his name, and he read all the lines. And then when the movie came out, they were like, "Well, we need somebody who can carry this thing a little better." It was no, you know, no, nothing bad about David Prowse. He wore the suit well, but uh, James Earl Jones makes Darth Vader. Did the same guy wear the suit the other movies? He wore the suit in all the earlier movies, and then like they, the first three. They transitioned away from him as he got older. It's the same as Chewbacca. The same guy wore the Chewbacca hair forever, and they yeah. finally found a Peter Mayhew. They finally found a younger guy to replace. I mean, he's like seven feet tall. You know, there aren't just seven foot tall actors just out there everywhere that you can find. But uh, uh, Chewbacca nor James Earl Jones were mentioned among the Titans GM candidates. Although I would love to see James Earl Jones get a crack at it, or Chewbacca, <laughs> just to hear him like freak out at the draft and do his sw- yeah. what was that sound again yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Something this like that brian does a good chewbacca who does red Brian, Brett, Brett oh, brian does a good everything, everything. Red man. he's ridiculous yeah, no, no. um definitely wasn't that one that i did <laughs> um there's a guy named jonathan jones who's with cbs sports and occasionally he just kind of drops something on his timeline i don't know if i've ever seen this guy on tv but i know he works for cbs same as jordan Janney. uh it was reported earlier from uh, uh, Mike Garofolo that the Titans had three finalists. And it's funny, he reported that. Malik Boyd interviewed today. The Titans just released that a few yeah, minutes ago. Yeah, from Buffalo Bills, right? Yes. And it was Mike Garofolo long before that was announced that they had finished the interview with him. Mike Garofolo had already said there are three finalists. Uh, Jonathan Jones is following up on that. He said the Titans have advanced at least three candidates to the second round of GM Interviews, Rand Carthon, Ryan Cowden, and Ian Cunningham, all C's. Carthon, Cowden, Cunningham, C3's right there. C3PO uh, for talking Star Wars. He said, thank you, Chewbacca. He said, it's possible there could be more. This is the interesting part of Jonathan Jones' tweet because nobody else has said this. The belief is the Titans will have a permanent GM by week's end. What? Yeah. Oh, they already know who they're hiring. It's over. Do you think they already know they're hiring Ryan Cowden? Right. That's exactly what I was saying. <laughs> is that, is that I, what you're... I wanted? I want to say it so they all go the opposite direction. Yeah. That's exactly who I think everybody thought it was going to be. Yeah. This is from Albert Breer earlier this morning. Uh, he says the Titans will interview Malik Boyd for their GM job today. He said the search is moving right along. This is from Albert Breer. This was five hours ago earlier this morning. Mike Vrabel's involvement, I'm told, is slash will be way more focused on second interviews with the finalists. Then he finishes the tweet with this. Vrabel will have a voice, of course. Well, there you go. Something we all knew right there. Really? Really? Mike Vrabel's going to be involved in that. He didn't know that. Mm. End of the week. Oh, Vrabel, second interviews. Yeah, see, didn't waste his time. We got narrowed down, did not get to know the guys. All right, here's what we'll do. We'll put up a poll on at Blaine and Mickey Twitter with the three names, the three C's, and you pick which one of the C's that you want. Oh. About to drop that right now. So go to Twitter and wait.
But in the meantime, in between time, peace. Let's see, something different for dinner. Searching restaurants near me. Right here, ma'am. How can we help? Gee, same old, same old. Wait, we're, we're right here, ma'am. Our restaurant's just a few blocks from you. Why is she not seeing us? Back to the usual, I guess. Ma'am, can you not see us? Nope, they can't see you. Because you're buried deep in the list of local restaurants. You are invisible online. Introducing Cumulus Boost. Get a boost, get found, get on the map. Learn more at CumulusBoost.com. Get an inside look at Hollywood with Michael Rosenbaum. Let's get inside of my buddy, Kumal Nanjiani. When you talk about Eternals and it wasn't the response that you were hoping, how did that affect you? Marvel thought that we'd be going on a wave of raves, you know, and it wasn't true. The reviews were really bad. And you were aware of it while you were on tour? Yeah, I was too aware of it. And so very intentionally, I did start counseling. Emily says that I do have trauma from it. Inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum. Wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.